Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to a, a rare daylight edition of uh, Get the Flick Out of Here. Uh, we're recording this in the day, which is still weird. I feel like I'm a vampire. Uh, but I'm your host, Alex Plassi. With me, as always, is Kate. And uh, yeah, this is the show where we talk about weird, bad, um, off-kilter films. And, and television shows. Uh, this is one, Kate, that you have been angling for us to do for what feels like since the very beginning. And uh, I finally relented this week, and I hate myself for it. So why don't you take point <laughs> oh, no. on, this, on this movie? <laughs> I'm never going to get to suggest another one again. No, 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 no. I won't, I won't hold this against you. It's not, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Well, here's the thing. It's my fault. Of course, it's bad. We do mostly bad movies. But if you're going to mm. sit here and insinuate that this is worse than Mannequin 2, you are wrong, sir. You are oh, flat no, out it's wrong. No. It's, um, the, yeah, no. It is not the most, like, meaningful movie in the world. No. no I don't think not. your life is, like, fully enriched um, having no. watched it. Which is no. something that will come up when we get to get the flick right. out of your time. Yeah. But what's interesting yeah. about this movie is it has a really strong cast. I don't think that many people like know it or ever really gave it a shot. And, like I don't know anybody. And with and with good reason. Yeah, like, it's not very good. Considering no. it has Christopher Walken, Sissy Spacek, who I think is actually really good at this. Um Alicia Silverstone and Brendan Fraser, who, as you put it before we started recording, like the moments where it works is because of his performance, but you just can't overcome a stupid plot and bad writing. <laughs> Maybe one. Maybe Both one of or those the other. Things, it's hard to You've got overcome. a lot. A lot. I find hard to overcome both those things working in concept and construct against you. Yeah. Yeah, that's tricky. Um, and what is kind of fun about this too, before we dive into it, is like they chose great actors, and other than Brendan Fraser, I feel like a lot of them are miscast. Sissy Spacek, I think, is great. This is not like I don't think I've seen Christopher Walken. He's not bad in this, but this is just not his role. He's pretty bad. Like he's pretty bad in it. Like he's pretty bad. In is it, it. Ha like, like is he the thing that's off about it? Well, here's here's what it is. I guess we should say the movie. The movie is Blast from the Past. Oh, it's Blast from the Past. <laughs> um, uh, here's the thing about Christopher Walken. Uh, when he gets a script for a movie that he's in, I don't know if you've heard this, he doesn't do this anymore because he's Christopher Walken now, but he used to do it himself. Now he has somebody else do it for him. Go through the entire script and white out on the paper all of the punctuation every bit of it so he doesn't know when there's a comma or a period or an ellipses or anything he just memorizes the words in the way that he thinks he should be saying them which is why if you listen to his speech patterns in any movie he's in it doesn't sound like he's speaking the actual sentences it just sounds like he's everything is just all, all wonky um and it and to me, I know they want to make make him into this mad scientist, um, but uh, it 
it just doesn't work for this character. Um, it did, none of, like it, there's there was a time when we all decided around this time um, that uh, that Christopher Walken was a secret comedic genius, and and we needed to put him in all the comedies, all of the comedies. Um, Everyone. And I think there's some certain points where it works well, but I feel like there was a point right around I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. We decided no, no, no. This they put this guy in all the comedies. Literally and everything. Certain, certainly, uh, some of those are, were hits, uh, but more of them were misses. Um, and uh, as, as far as his performance in them, and this I think was 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 bad. The, the problem that it is that I find with it is that so many times that Christopher Walken's like the fifth or sixth lead in a comedy. Like he's got, like, I thought, I think he's, I think he's fine. Like Wayne's world two or whatever. Like that's a bad movie, but he's, he's fine in the character he plays in it. Cause he's not in it that much. The first 40 minutes of the movie is entirely dependent on Christopher Walken. And he, it, it doesn't work. I, I bailed out of the movie watching it the first time after 40 minutes because I just I couldn't watch it anymore because 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 it just didn't none of it made sense all the jokes fell flat because his timing was bad because he doesn't know where sentences end <laughs> so that's my own personal thing against this movie that's fair I can't argue that critique but um we're gonna dive in we're gonna dive in it's not the worst movie but definitely nothing really happens for a really long time in this movie. So I agree with you on that. We get like the plot kind of right up front and then there's just like a good half hour of nothing happening. And then the movie kind of picks back up again, but it opens with a cocktail party. It's taking place in 1962. We meet Calvin and Helen Weber. Um, Calvin is Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken is Calvin. That's a debate, I think. We can throw that one up in the air for a while. But he plays, uh, as Alex kind of alluded to, a, uh, a mad scientist who's a, a genius but a nut job. It's something that's acknowledged at this cocktail party. And Helen Weber... Straight up, like, friends of the Webbers attending like, the cocktail right. party are like, this guy's insane. <laughs> I don't even know why we're here. What a whack job this dude turned out to be, huh? Let's sip our cocktails because it's the early 60s and that's what we do. It's the early 60s. There's definitely like passive aggressive swipes at him to let you know. But I also think it's justified because that guy, while insane, is often fun to hang out with at a cocktail party, I think. Right? Well, that guy's still the most that interesting he, guy in the room. He tells, he tells the joke of like, you know... Uh, the duck walks into a bar. Will that be cash or credit? Put it on my bill. That's the old, the old joke. It wasn't as old in 1962, but I still think it was pretty old. Uh, and everyone around the bar where he's serving goes, <laughs> oh, my God. Like every everyone, everyone who's, who's at the party thinks this guy is awful. Awful. And, I just and it is. Think, they're home. They're home. They're home. Uh, and Sissy Spacek is a happy little homemaker. Um, the thing that makes him the thing that makes him the, the, the part of why it's crazy is because 
He thinks the Russians are going to drop the bomb any day now. Boo-boo. Boo-boo when it's literally in the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Which right. um, everyone in America at the time thought the Russians were going to drop the bomb any day now. So all the skeptics in, in the thing feel like, uh, I feel like all of you would be like at a heightened level. I mean, he's more so, but everybody would be like, can you believe this guy? The Cold War, <laughs> Khrushchev, ah, it'll be fine. Nobody thought it was going to be fine in 1962. So that's, I mean, like, not everyone had a bomb shelter built under their garage, but everyone for this week in 1962 was pretty sure they were going to die in a nuclear explosion. So that's what I guess kind of happens next at the party. Um, what's funny is like, I love the movie Apollo 13. It's one of my favorites. Uh -huh. And I think about like the way they did capturing that time period and how authentically of like a, a good job they did it. This to your point felt so like one foot in modern world the whole time and one foot in the sixties the whole time. But Essentially, JFK comes onto TV to announce that the Cubans have missiles pointed at uh, the United States, and Calvin decides to clear the party, and on the way out, everybody is, as you were saying, kind of like, get a load of this guy. He's clearing the entire party. Meanwhile, we find out that he has a bomb shelter that essentially mimics their house, and um, he and Helen decide to descend into the bomb shelter for what they think is going to be a temporary, hopefully, thing. Um, but what happens is there's a plane crash right into their house, right over their house while they're down there. So in his understanding of what happened, they just were under attack. In reality, there was an unrelated errant plane crash. Um, and we hear like a interlocking lock sounds and he reveals to his wife that part of the bomb shelter, uh, which I'm glad they at least justified this. The locks were set to automatically close should something like this happen because uh, they didn't want the temptation of getting out to, of escaping the bomb shelter to overtake them. He has calculated the half-life of radiation, which is 35 years. Oh, Helen is pregnant, by the way. Super pregnant, hella pregnant. Super pregnant. Like, yeah. gonna give birth any day now. Pregnant, um, which is integral to the story. Um, and so with this calculation, the locks are set to only unlock 35 years from now. That's the only time they can leave. Now, the bomb shelter is like the most livable situation in the world. It looks just like their house, probably for set design costs, um, yeah, yeah. but is extremely well stocked. This guy is clearly, uh, I, I, I think it's fair to assume that they had some wealth alongside their um, mad geniusness and all of this. Yeah, like he was, he was the, he was the golden boy professor at Caltech. And then, started inventing stuff and then got rich off the stuff he invented and then so he that, stopped yeah. inventing stuff so that he could build this fallout shelter I, I when you say it has everything it literally has a salmon farm in it <laughs> like there's a giant tank of water where he farms his own fresh fish 
which like if you're gonna like try and survive 35 years that's a pretty good thing to have i guess um well just don't get it mixed up with the potable water that you're supposed to drink because that that would be bad that would be bad for you but i did appreciate that that was all at least justified them being able to afford it was justified them literally not being able to escape for the 35 years i think was justified and I mean, it's, it's justified it's also pretty cheap that like <laughs> the idea of like, yes well we got it we got to figure out a way for them not to come out for 35 years how about if there's like automatic locks like you know on a timer for 35 years you know how locks work and i think that that it was kind of this thing that like they just made up something to justify their bullshit, which is the movie doesn't work unless they're down there for 35 years if we had hired um uh, an actor younger than uh, brendan fraser maybe we could have done a different thing but he's got to come up and find a girl uh like all this stuff so also the movie came out in 99 but is set in 1997 uh because they so they could have set it at any time period like they like because the whole thing is they say it's 1997 but the movie comes out in 1999 so you could have had him come out 20 years later. You just made up 35 years. That's not an exact statistic. So you could have had him come up in 1982. Oh, that would have been a nice little throwback thing. Like people in the 90s loved watching movies about the 80s because, you know, <laughs> we were so stupid back then. So there's a lot of weird stuff they just did made as a device to like make all the other stuff work, which again... I respect them at least making the effort, but also you created your own problems you had to solve. It's just a oh, weird completely. thing. I do think that they thought this was like a commentary on the moral decay of society in those days. Oh, they sure did. They sure they sure as heck did. So that um is a funny choice. But uh mm -hmm. but so the next 25 minutes of the movie are somewhat useless outside of her giving birth to their son who they named adam because like right. an a-bomb get it yeah. do you get it yes she asks if well that's adam adam and that he's going to have to repopulate the planet he's the first right. man um, adam and then we meet uh, eve later right because it's, it's cute spoiler alert it's adam. um so uh here's one thing i i was wondering when i was watching this why can't the baby be already born? Why can't the Drop baby on. be already born? Like, can the can he can it be a, like a nine month old or a one year old baby who would have no memory of 1962? So that wouldn't be a thing. But at least they'd like get the baby out of the crib and then go down in the fallout shelter to be down there for a week, and then the bomb drops or whatever. Because the first thing that I go bullshit that didn't happen is Christopher Walken didn't deliver his own son in the fallout shelter. That didn't happen without some horrible thing happening to the baby or the mother. That just didn't happen. So you don't have to create scenarios that don't need to exist to make me immediately call bullshit on your movie five minutes into it. And that is, those are the things that I did, like start turning me off onto a film immediately. It's like, you didn't need to do that. She doesn't have to get birth down there. She just bring the baby with her is prepared for the scenario. We don't see the birth, which I think is no, hysterical. Like there's no, at no point do we see, we just see her go into labor and then we cut to seeing Adam like grow up. There's nothing that actually happens except for 
you see him being taught because his dad is a genius, right? Um, you see him learning several languages and mastering science and math. And then you see Helen teaching him manners and etiquette and like the best she can how to be a person for the time period that she's in. Um, you start to understand what this movie is going to look like. I think pretty, pretty clearly yeah. of like, this guy is going to be a genius as far as um, knowing things of like academia but as far as human skills is going to be completely lost into the world. We also see um, at various points, Helen is just kind of losing her mind, which I thought mm. Sissy Spacek was so great <laughs> at this. At There's little, uh, yeah. little moments of Christopher Walken, totally happy with the situation. Totally Christopher fine. Christopher Walken could have lived in that fallout shelter for the rest of time. Oh, like just delighted to be down there raising yeah. his kid. Um, Helen, Sissy Spacek, is trying to not complain to her husband to keep her marriage intact, but is is losing her mind along the way, which is fun because I feel like... What would have happened if they got divorced? Like, that's what, would like, you have to yeah. move to two separate areas of the fallout shelter? We're, we're, <laughs> Helen and I were separated. Uh, she lives over there in that corner. Over I'm there. over here in this corner. I'm over here finances not really an issue it turns out though so yeah. things are all right yeah. Yeah. um but it is nice that there's a little bit of self-awareness where like there's one point where she um listens to her husband say like that he doesn't even really miss it outside and she literally just goes away and screams which i right. thought was cute like she has this little like wink and a nod smile toward him and then goes and loses her mind a little bit so we see yeah. her getting antsier the more life goes on we also see that above them, there's a diner that gets built over the property um, yeah. that they were on. Earlier, we see the inspectors come by and they just assume that they're dead because there was a plane crash here. So they don't bother to discover what the fallout shelter is because they assume that it's a septic tank, which it looks like one from the outside. I don't know anything about the septic world, but I appreciate that they at least justified, like, we didn't even go looking for these people. They said, like, they probably died because of this plane crash. There's no need to open the septic tank. Um, and they build a diner. And as time passes, you see the diner turn into, like, a more rugged diner, turn into a bar. Um, and in that time, you also see the owner of the diner, who was a woman and a waitress there, and her son, um, their relationship deteriorate also as society is deteriorating. Like there's, this is where the messaging of what's happening comes in very clearly. I think of like, um, you know, she is, I miss these flower power kids. She says at one point, uh, as, as time goes on into the late seventies and eighties. Yeah. In 1975, um, they're in this, uh, uh, malt shop turned a pizza bar and on the jukebox comes Barry White. Yes. And they don't know how to and, feel about it. And until they go, he starts what playing. is this? This is, this is awful. Who is this black man singing on my radio? Basically is what they Ridiculous. say. And then they're like, oh no, actually this is kind of catchy. So, yeah. you know, at least, at least it ends up all right, but it doesn't start very good. Um, it doesn't. Yeah. But true to the time, unfortunately. Yeah. True to the time. <laughs> Uh, by the '90s, um, uh, the son is now is now old, 
and he has a uh, a tattoo in the middle of his forehead, like you do, of just course. like anybody does. Um, and uh, he he buys well the <laughs> his mom gives him this bar, which by the by the time they come up from the fallout shelter is just out of business and and just like a, an abandoned building all burned out and everything. So, yeah, that kind of brings us to the next part of the movie where anything actually happens. So, um, it's Brendan Fraser's 35th birthday. This is, we actually see Brendan Fraser come into the picture. Before this, we just have the, the child, various child actors who have played him uh-huh. as time has progressed. Um, but we see Brendan Fraser on his 35th birthday. His mom has made him a jacket. He is, um, as maybe it's something with the name Fraser. He is like this dopey, adorable little golden retriever of a man. Um, and uh, raised with all of the brilliance of his father, but all of the innocence of somebody who's never been exposed to society. Uh, perfect, perfect manners. And they, or, or this is his 33rd birthday, I guess, because Christopher Walken says, in two more years, you're going to get to go up there essentially uh-huh. um we kind of cut forward in time to just hearing the locks unlock essentially helen starts dancing like an old lady which i thought was a charming little scene uh christopher walken also dancing was pretty cute uh and they helen is anxious to get above ground and christopher walken says like hey we don't know what's going on up there he assumes that society has been ruined, but he does have faith that other people had fallout shelters and that there will be other human beings uh, roaming the planet and decides that he should go up to scout out the situation before the rest of the family does. He puts on a yellow hazmat suit and takes the elevator up, which I guess just can break through the foundation of the building that was built over it. Yeah, that was... Yeah something that i had a qualm with because mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. on the interior of this dilapidated bar like they could have just built it outside of the property lines and him wonder what's going on but as he comes above in his yellow hazmat suit the son of the bar well the now bar owner initially the son of the malt shop owner um, i believe his name is merkin or something? Something like that, yeah. Merc, mer, yeah. Merc. Um, yeah. He is going on about how um, Alcoholics Anonymous, this cracks me up, Cocaine's Anonymous, Heroin's Anonymous. There's not a different program for every dog. There, there's no. Narca- Narcs Anonymous, and there's AA, mm-hmm. and there's other various no. programs, but there's not like a Cocaine's Anonymous. His, bi- his biggest problem with all those things is that you have to accept a higher power. higher power. Well, I've been around the block a few times. I've never seen anything that would lead me to believe that there's anything mystical or magical or in control of anything. And then uh, Christopher Walken comes up to the floor and immediately thinks he's got it. Yes, that is the immediate jump that we get. Mm -hmm. It does come Mm -hmm. back later, but like a cute little thing that they did. Uh, And you see basically uh, a very rundown 90s LA and it looking like dystopia to, to Christopher Walken. He comes out and meets a at that time 
transvestite or transsexual as more appropriately called now this was alex's favorite scene of the movie uh awful just like awful scene where because somebody is trans they're automatically a sex worker and yes. there's a um which a sex worker at that point for sure a transvestite prostitute right <laughs> and says i can be a man or a woman i can be anything you want me to be for a price and christopher walken is thinking like this is how human beings have mutated so essentially mutated. calling trans people mutants yeah, yeah which is just like a really great commentary very sweet mm -hmm. move mm -hmm. um he walks by several uh bookstores adult bookstores and uh, goes, video yeah, he, places he, he, he goes into one and then just screams. And the next thing we see is him back down in the fallout shelter saying, <laughs> yeah. you can never go up there. Um, uh, he sees a lot of homeless people, including a guy digging through trash to try and find scraps to eat. Uh, and then he meets, of course, a black transsexual. Yes. Uh, like, like, of course. <laughs> um, so, uh, so he's like, oh, society has crumbled. And it, like a lot of the jokes that follow through this whole thing are, it feels to me, like um, uh, men in their 50s, in the 90s, writing about how things were so much better in the 1960s. And it's just like, if that's, if that's, your, if that's your stick, if you like that, that's, if that's your point of view, you'll love this play. Ah, it's great. So many great commentary about how society has crumbled. It's terrible. Everything's terrible. There's homeless people everywhere. You didn't see homeless people in the 1960s, so therefore they didn't not. exist. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it's 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 just it's just a, it's just a weird commentary on on a lot of things. But um, I did think it was funny that uh, the first person he meets, the first person he meets, yes, be beyond the dude in the bar who thinks he's God. By the who way, is an, who, by the way, is an addict. Like, yes, not not right. an empathetically presented addict either. No, <laughs> like, no. Uh, but uh, but if if it were me, and uh, and a man came up through the floor of my bar, um, and there was red light coming from the hole that he came out of, I wouldn't immediately go to God. I would do the opposite thing, the other guy who lives below the Satan. ground. That's what I would do, which I thought they were going to have a satanic cult built around the whole thing. But maybe that was the original plan. They were in test audience was like, no, we don't like Satanists. We want to like yeah. maybe like these people. Maybe we should do something else. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we should, ch we should change it to being God, I guess. Um, but yeah, that was, a, that was an odd little thing uh, for me. Um, but yeah, so... Christopher Walken says, you can never go up there. No one can ever go up there. They're it's all full of mutants. And, uh, and this is where he says, we're going to seal up the thing and we're going to wait another 35 years or something. And no one's allowed to go up there. And Sissy Spacek uh, loses her mind. Yeah, this was... She was delightful in in the unraveling. Like she actually told a little bit of a story in this. Like she was not. Gonna, she had a point. Nope. She played the good wife nope. for a really long time. Um, and there's also a scene. I can't remember if did he mistake poisonous gas, like steam for poisonous gas. 
Or did he just say there was poisonous gas in the adult no, no, bookstore he, to keep he, Brendan Fraser from going to, in? To keep Brendan Fraser from going in. Okay. Yeah, because Christopher Walken has a poisonous. heart attack. Christopher Walken has a heart yes. attack. Um, a, a mild cardial infarction. Uh, and then he's bedridden for a while, so they need supplies. They only have 35 years worth of supplies. If you're asking, how do they have power? Apparently, Christopher Walken is able to rig a yacht battery to last 10 years. Yes. A, a yacht battery. It's just he's very a mad funny genius. To me. He's, a, he's a mad genius. Um, but they also ran out of food. I guess they have no more salmon. Uh, if they have salmon, they don't have anything to, to eat it with. Uh, so he's got, they got to, he's, somebody's got to go up and Mom. get supplies. Mom needs a, a side of something. She's done. With she, yes, 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 she does. Um, but so that, so that she, they have to send, uh, Brendan Fraser up there with a list of all the things to buy and also maybe medical supplies because dad can't go up there. Um, and, uh, and so here's the rest of the movie. It's a fish out of water story about a guy who basically time traveled from 1962, but also has never met a woman or a child. Like, yes. Except for his own mother, I guess, woman. <laughs> um, and so there's your there's your fish out of water story. And they stretch that shit into another hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> it is a it is a Saturday night live skit that they stretched into an hour and 20 minutes. Only an hour from this point in. Okay. Okay, fine. But, okay, fine. But uh, this did, the heart attack piece of this did make me go out of my way to be like, they would have no immune system at all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like that, them having a medical issue made me be like, they would have so many other medical issues. Like, yeah, also, if you're sending your son up there, have him go to a doctor. It's, it's... <laughs> As soon as Brandon Fraser comes up to the thing, the first person who sneezes within a mile of him causes him to fall down dead because he has yeah. zero immune system. For no anything. immune. No immune system at all. That's so he rides a public bus. He oh, rides a public it. bus in this alley. He does. He's he a rides a goner. Yeah. So because where, again... All the place where they lived was all idyllic little tiny uh, beautiful homes in the late 50s and early 60s. And by the time the 90s rolled around, those had been all bulldozed for urban blight. And I yes, I feel like evil. that which I feel like that might have happened but usually it's just the houses are run down. You don't replace a row of beautiful little homes with an adult bookstore. Like, that's not usually what happens. Usually it's like, we're going to progress. We're going to take this old these old homes that have fallen into disrepair. We're going to get rid of them. We're going to buy out the people. And then we're going to build, like, good things as opposed to, you know, a porn shop. There's a lot of, like, I feel like urban planners watching this movie are just, like, punching themselves in the face. They hate it so much. Like, it's just, none of this makes any fucking sense. Also, those little homes from 1962, if they had been kept around, would fetch a million dollars in today's housing market in Los yeah. Angeles. So it's just a Which weird thing that they've got. We're going to get to the increased yeah. value of things in a moment. But you're yes. right in even that it was weird because they lived in what you would assume was a neighborhood. And they oh, built yeah. a mall shop on top of the house. 
Like, why are you I going mean, out of your way? I could see like a, a neighborhood malt shop might have been a thing, like in the in the late fifties, early sixties. Um, but uh, yeah, they. But they, they were in a neighborhood. Like, you don't like it's not a main. They didn't have a little house no. on Main Street, right? No. So for them yeah, to have yeah. the, like rows of this is it's definitely yeah. off base. But um, uh, much like much like with many of the movies uh, that we review, uh, any actual inspection of what's going on it reveals major not holes. Not great, but <laughs> uh, yeah, Brendan Fraser uh, to what you said before, his performance in this is the only thing that that when it has its moments is is the thing that saves it at all. Um, he does a great job in this role. They, at one point, um, when he checks into his hotel, the bellhop asks how old he is because he says it's his first night away from home. And he says, I'm 35. And he says, uh, you don't look 35. And he says, how old do I look? And the bellhop says, 25. And he says, oh, I guess people look older up here. <laughs> And he was like, here on the 18th floor? And he goes, yes, here on the 18th floor. Which that whole exchange, I thought, was like the perfect summary of um, what, what Brendan Fraser did well in, in this. But we see him going through town. We see him getting on a public bus talking to a guy that you kind of assume is homeless. And I appreciated that exchange because Brendan Fraser is trying to figure out how to navigate. And he has this little list of all the stuff he has to go get. And he's so annoying that the homeless guy tries to get him basically kicked off the bus, which I thought was yeah. was fun because it was true. That guy would be so annoying <laughs> like to sit next to on the really bus. Nobody wants to talk to that guy. So I no. appreciated that. But we see him just kind of fumbling through life a little bit. But he has two things that are worth a lot of money. One, his dad gave him stocks and bonds, which we you know, assumed we're going to be useless because Earth was destroyed. And he also has a collection of baseball cards. Uh, those baseball cards come up a couple times throughout the movie, no more important as in a moment from now. But we see in the movie his dad trying to explain baseball to him, which was a very fun thing uh, for me as a huge baseball nerd because none of the terminology makes any sense if you haven't seen a baseball game. But I just thought that was cute and that, like, you can explain science and math to someone. You cannot explain sports, really, without being able to watch them. So mm -hmm. that was a cute little moment. But he goes into a, a pawn and card shop, and he has all of these insanely valuable baseball cards. He has uh, Mickey Mantles and Roger Hornsby. And, of course, the guy immediately tries to rip Adam off mm -hmm. um, because... He's just a no good guy, but because Brendan Fraser has no people skills, because he only ever dealt with two people, he is willing to sell the entire collection to him for a mere $500 in small bills, because he says, all I have, this is a cute little are performance from him, too. All I have are these hundreds. I need fives and tens, um, which he delivered really, really well. But we get introduced to Eve, because Adam and Eve, why be subtle about it at all are the people that are going to have to repopulate the earth, right? Earlier in the movie, we see uh, his mother say that he hopes that she hopes he finds a woman, um, preferably one that doesn't glow in the dark, I think was the line uh, earlier, because they think he's going to be responsible for repopulating the earth. 
Um, so it's a very urgent thing that he would have to find a wife, which comes up later. But Eve basically comes out to save the day for him and say, uh, you know, your Mickey Mantle card alone is worth $4,000. Do not sell this to my dad um, for this amount of money. That's not uh, her dad. Isn't it her? I thought it was her dad. No, it's not her dad. It's not her dad. She just works at this baseball card shop. She's not the owner of it. She doesn't, not related to the owner of it. She just works there. It's like, you're fired. It it's not her so dad. It's just a. Fired from that job, just like she's always getting fired. How much do you think you would make work, like working as a person who happens to be at a baseball card shop? Like it's like like the idea of the jobs that she gets fired from uh, is just like, but it's totally fine. I completely support myself in LA. Like it's just a yeah, it, yeah, yeah. With, she's good. Yeah, it's a very it's a very odd little deal. She has an incredible home in LA, um, but she continually gets fired from to your point jobs that uh, are like little side jobby type jobs. They're not yeah. like anything that would be. You wouldn't be like, wow, I got laid off, but at least I got my severance and I can keep my home. Right. Um, so she gets fired from this. We find out that she's always getting fired from jobs, from the hair salon, from all these other places. Um, so then Brendan Fraser and her have uh, an encounter in the parking lot. He needs to get to his hotel and he needs someone to drive him there. This is well before the days of Uber. He has no idea a taxi cab exists at this point. So um, he is trying to convince her, but because she's not an idiot, she keeps kind of like pushing him off. This guy's clearly a weirdo. He at one point says, um, I don't have a gun or anything, which I thought was a fun little line to sneak in. Because she's like, oh, okay. Well, in that case, get away from me even further, weirdo. Um but he says, I'll give you a Roger Hornsby baseball card if you just drive me to the hotel, which is enough to make her realize that this guy is probably a non-threatening Looney Tune. And she says, all I have to do is drive you to the hotel and you'll give me basically, I think, $4,000 or $6,000 or something, she says. Uh, and he says, yes. And so she drives him to the hotel. Um, he gets checked in. We have that exchange that I referenced earlier about uh him and the bellhop we also see him mesmerized by a commercial of sexy womanness um there's i think it's for like a coconut oil or something a mm -hmm. woman is like rubbing lotion on her body and he is mesmerized by the situation um and i guess this is kind of where the adventure of adam and eve starts to like take off a little bit because he eventually hires Eve for a thousand a week to help him get the things that he needs on the list to bring back to his parents. Um, Eve thinks it's a weird job, but she says she names her price, which is more than this gal has made probably ever uh, for a thousand a week. And she and everybody else that's kind of peripherally involved think like, oh, this guy must be working for some sort of nonprofit or something. Cause it's, it's food and supplies by the truckload. He's like this dopey, innocent dude. Like it would line up that this guy is like a, a do-gooder. Um, so we see them kind of just going about getting the things on the list. He's getting trucks. He's getting refrigerated trucks. 
Um, and eventually he asks her out and she rejects him for the first time. Um, and they have one of the most awkward exchanges in cinematic history, I think, because he says he's trying to find a wife for the next two weeks. And she says, why would you want to get married? I'm so jaded. Can't you tell I'm so jaded? Everybody just ends up getting divorced, like my brothers. Um, and she doesn't really question until later, like, why he would be needing to find a wife in two weeks. Like, she was, she does say a wife's a little much. A girlfriend is a little bit more attainable. And he says, That's I could all probably I get you laid in two weeks. I could probably get you laid, says. which he has, of course, no idea what that means. I that means. Um, but we then see, I think what we see next is him go to meet her friend who I think we can conclude is gay very early you on. Know, they, they, they say he's gay. It's Dave Foley from, from Kids in the Hall. It's and fantastic. Radios, who's really, really great in this role. Uh, but it does, it does call to mind that in the 90s, you were allowed to be gay as a character on screen, but you weren't allowed to actually hire gay actors to play those characters. <laughs> Yeah. So it is very much, and I think it's a, it is an honest, not stereotypical portrayal of a gay man. Yes. It doesn't feel like it's like, it doesn't teeter over into the brink of caricature. It, it's not, for example, uh, Jack from Will and Grace, who I right. always felt was like way over the top on purpose. This just feels sure. like, you know, like, like, and I think it's, but it is like a little thing like, Hey, you know what they didn't have in 1962? Homosexuals. Like it was, like, it just felt like a, a whole thing the whole time. Uh, but uh, but he is very good in this uh, thing, and he is uh, the the voice of reason. Like no no, when you where when you say out of town, where are you from? Out of town. Um, yes. And, and she because she's convinced Adam that she's psychic, and I did appreciate. Um, this is Troy Dave Foley being like, "Oh, really? Psychic? Well, go ahead, give him a reading. I I'd like to see this." Yes. And uh, and she guesses Alaska, but the whole thing is he's just been mesmerized by her this whole time when she's giving him this reading because she's doing a very sexy palm reading thing, and he's like, "Yes, yes, yes." And so when she finally says, "Are you from Alaska?" He goes, "Yes." Oh, okay, Alaska. Well, let's get a little quiz. And he quizzes him all these things about Alaska, which, of course, because he knows he he, he knows because he was the geography champion, you know, the fallout shelter. Like he knows all the answers of all these things. Uh, and uh, uh, the geography but, uh, champion of the fallout shelter. He was. He was. Delightful. He got took first place every year. Um, uh, but uh, I thought I thought that this this was this was all well and good, um, and this it's okay. Um, and, but it did seem like, okay, so you have a ticking clock. You got two, I got, I only have two weeks to find all this stuff and bring it down. Um, there's a lot like, well, as you find it, you could be taking smaller trips down the elevator. Like that's the thing that they never yes. considered in writing this whole thing. I must have all of it so that I can bring all of it back at once. Um, they keep. Uh, they did mention that anytime he runs out of money, they just sell another baseball card, which I yes. guess makes sense. Um, uh, but he's also, you know, like this is just this two weeks of him just hanging out with Eve and her roommate Troy. They at one point, like they he takes him out shopping, 
to buy new yes. clothes because all of his clothes are 1962 clothes. Um, and then he also buys him rollerblades. And they're very wishy-washy on where in uh, Los Angeles this takes place. But at one point, they're like, I just got new rollerblades. Well, the only place I'm allowed to use rollerblades is apparently the Santa Monica Pier. Because I don't know where they were, but it's nowhere near the beach. And they I was think like, they yes, say let's Pasadena. Just go to Santa Monica. Like they're like I well, which that's is nowhere near the beach. That's where the mom, Sissy SpaceX, wants him to find a woman who is from Pasadena to get married to because she says all the nicest girls are from Pasadena. They do say they're in the San Fernando Valley. And as a guy who lived for a year in the San Fernando Valley, I know if you want to get from there to Santa Monica and it's anywhere approaching rush hour, you better have two hours on your hands because that is not a thing that we're going to do. <laughs> Uh, I feel like there's an easier place to find somewhere that you can rollerblade than it has to be Santa Monica. But I get it because while he's rollerblading, he sees the ocean and immediately like just takes off his rollerblades and everything and strides into the ocean. And my question was, as he literally falls backwards into the surf, did they teach him how to swim in the fallout shelter? Did he, did that... he go to swimming lessons? Did he have swimming lessons in the salmon pond? Like what, 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 how did they teach him how to swim in the fallout shelter? Was my, was one of my questions, just one of them. But other than that. That crossed my mind too. That crossed my mind too. Um, in the exchange where he's mesmerized by Eve having hands, um, there was a really fun moment where this was a, I felt like a good job where they connected uh, technology a little bit where he says uh, the capital is of Alaska is is it Juneau or something? They're talking about that Juneau's the largest city and Dave Anchorage, Foley is Anchorage is the largest Anchorage is the largest Anchorage city is the largest the capital. Juneau's the capital. So they clarify that um, but Dave Foley is going to go check on his computer and Brendan Fraser's like he has a computer in the house. <laughs> Which I thought was fun. I'm like, he's got a computer in a single room. And she's like, no, it's outside. Yeah, in the house. Like, what are you talking about? So I thought that was like a cute way to to dance around the decades that they were in. Um, but yeah, the ocean scene made me laugh because I'm like, that guy drowns. And again, as soon as I thought about his immune system, I was kind of like, this whole thing is like, that guy's screwed. Like, he just got in the ocean with all of these things he's ever been exposed to. This guy is toast. There are so many toxins in the surf outside of Santa Monica. So um, gross. Uh, yeah, we also have we also met uh, uh, Eve, Eve's ex boyfriend uh, yes. Nathan Fillion from Firefly, who's an, who's just a jerk, just an a hole. But she still got a yes. thing for him because she likes bad boys. I guess I don't. really, she got terrible taste in men. Um, and like it, it would appear, no family of any kind. She never mentions her own parents, which, like, to connect with this guy that you're hanging out with, you might, like, oh, well, my mom and dad are, like, never mentions parents, never mentions, like, she's got brothers who are divorced. Her mom and dad are divorced. She's, like, no real family that she's actually connected to. Uh, no job prospects. No real history. She is entirely a cipher. She's pretty, and therefore Adam wants to make her his wife, and we never get any real information about 
who she is, where she came from, what her life history is to make us go, you know what? She's right for him. She does some nice things along the way. Like, he's like, oh, she has a heart. That's nice. But at the same time, who are you? Who yeah. is this person? Like, there's, there's, no, they've given her, they've given nothing about her, anything. And this, this movie 100% does not pass the Bechdel test. Like, she never, she never comes into contact with any woman or has any conversation that isn't about men or what the things that uh, men want. It's, it's men. It's, it is very much that. It is very much that. Yeah. She even says marriage bites. And he goes, bites what? And she goes, the big one. The big one. <laughs> She's kind of like, oh. Um, so eventually this all leads to newly clothed by his gay friend who cannot mm -hmm. be played by a gay actor. Um, they go to, to the club to find a woman to be club, Adam's girlfriend. Club 40s. Because if they took him to a nightclub, an actual like True. 90s nightclub, he would have a heart attack. He would but die. they took him to Club 40s, uh, just happened to take him to Club 40s, um, yes. and uh, and it's a swing club with an MC who is a straight up Humphrey Bogart impersonator. Uh, it's uh, definitely these are the things that happened in the movies in the 90s all the time, that everything that happens in LA happens in some kind of themed restaurant or bar where, uh, where the, all the people who are working there are all actually actors like i'm thinking of yes. jack rabbit slims from pulp fiction and a lot of other things like that but yeah they definitely have a humphrey bogart impersonator uh who is the mc at this club and uh it's just it's a swing club and wouldn't you know it it all comes in handy because two things happened when he was growing up in the fallout shelter he had he had daily pe class and it was split between his dad teaching him how to box and his mom teaching him how to dance. And wouldn't you know it, both those things come into play in this scene. So handy. So here. fortuitous. So uh, he's kind of identifying ladies that he think might be nice. And one, Eve says, is a bitch, which I think is funny. And Sophie, he's like, who's like her rival for some reason she she hates yeah crosstown rival of some sort i'm not sure but you can tell by looking at her he thinks she would be nice uh but he says or she says that she's a bitch and he is confused because he knows the dictionary definition of a bitch um why would it be a female dog but um because brendan fraser knows how to swing dance at this club 40 he is able to swing dance with ladies so uh -huh. We see him woo, <laughs> woo her. Um, and then what happens they, they, with the? No, the, the what happens? What happens is that uh, Dave Foley and Alicia Silverstone is like, hey, you know what? She looks nice. I guess why don't you go ask her? Go talk to her. Like, what, what would I say? She looks say, sweet. Lie. We're looking for sweet. That's yeah, right. Sweet. Uh, lie. I. It comes into my experience that Dave Foley lie. It's always best to lie. And so he. <laughs> The, here's how he lies. Excuse me, miss. Uh, I seem to have misplaced my Congressional Medal of Honor. Have you seen it anywhere? And she goes, that's a good line. I've never heard that one before. And then her friend comes up, who's like obviously like the crazy one. Uh, and 
And so like he he asks them them to dance. Um and so he like fully has a, he's like a dance threesome with with these two <laughs> hot blondes. And, um, I definitely not at all choreographed dance. No, yeah. I was, uh, it was very he's like he's he's swing dancing with these two hot blondes. No one else is on the dance floor because they're all standing around a circle going, "Hey, watch this guy! He's dancing with two hot blonde ladies," and makes yeah. Alicia Silverstone very jealous. She's so yes. jealous. Um, and so uh, uh, her her ex boyfriend Nathan Fillion Cliff is his name is at the, is at the bar. Um, and uh, she, I guess, is trying to go home with him because she's got terrible taste in men. Uh, but uh, Brennan Fraser doesn't think that's a good idea. Um, and so he's like, I would like to interject and actually uh, I'd like to cut in if I might. Uh, and so Nathan Fillion wants to fight him. So because Nathan Fraser, sorry, Brennan Fraser is a, is a boxer. He does this thing. Yes. That's how he punches. And every that's time... He's able to punch him right in the snout. It's it's yeah. it's 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 a, it's a decent little fight scene. Um, Dude never uh, gets yeah. his hands up. No, never. Yeah, never. and earlier when we meet him, we find out that they were it, it seems living together because he had a key to the house mm -hmm. that yeah. uh, she can mysteriously afford. Mm -hmm. So uh, Cliff, and then he leaves her for the Harvard graduate model. <laughs> Which is a thing. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so we have this very not at all choreographed swing dance scene. Um, and he leaves with Sophie, um, which makes Eve jealous. She's starting to realize that she has feelings for this little weirdo. And which point I was like, you should check in with yourself emotionally about that. <laughs> Maybe take a step back that you are in love with a weirdo who you pretend is from Alaska who is getting trucks of food for a reason you don't know, literally because he is bottom line chivalrous to you. It's the only thing that sets this guy apart from any other guy in your world. <sighs> so true. So I think next is like we get to the Something happens in the movie next, which is the first time that happens in like an hour. And Brendan Fraser, who was at Sophie's, um, shows up at Eve's and they have a conversation um, where he basically says that he was there. Well, wait, no, no, he he was he was at Sophie's. He decided he didn't want to do that. And he left. Um, and then he sings to her uh, okay. on the street where you live. Which is like it's from a it's from a My Fair Lady or something, it's from it's from some musical. But Perry Como did a cover of it, so that's the one he knows. Uh, and so he sings that to her, and she's immediately like, "Oh my God, I want to have your children," because again, yes. she needs to check in with herself emotionally. Yeah. Um. So she she kisses him, and then is like, "Have you ever had sex before?" It's like, "No." How is that possible? Well, let me tell you all of the things that are happening in my brain. Uh, and of course, so he does. And rather than like react in the moment to all of the things that he tells her about 1962 and the bomb dropping on LA and all this stuff, which of course, the thing of it is, is that she never will stop. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. There, a bomb didn't drop on LA. She doesn't never stop happened. him along the way. None of it. Like, she just looks like, 
Uh, okay. This is, I think you should go when he's done. And he just, okay, I, he leaves. I did love leading into the scene, though, where he says he's at Sophie's and that she was as, she was very hospitable. But that's not where he wanted, he says, that's not where I wanted to be. And so he says, I found a taxi. And I loved how he was, like, impressed with himself for finding a taxi. Mm -hmm. He kind of has this, like, ah, I'm figuring out human life up here moment. And he says that he wants to go to Eve's and not to the hotel. That was, like, the first, I think, like, very deliberate, like, I know you rejected my advances. Not in, like, a creepy way. But, like, I know you said no to a date, but, like, I wanted to be with you instead of go back to the hotel um kind of moment which i thought was cute and i also just love the idea of like if you haven't had sex before and you don't understand like human signals of things what somebody like a sophie and how she was portrayed because <laughs> he says i left as politely as possible i excuse myself as politely as possible or something and in my head i'm like he thought she was going to maul him if he doesn't understand like sexual cues in any way. Like mm -hmm. this woman probably was throwing himself at her. Um, and that's why I was like, oh, there's something kind of like cute behind that that line. But yes, we have the floodgates kind of finally opening here of like Eve was hired to do this job, so she wasn't really questioning it, but they're clearly forming some connection. Like, at some point, someone has to be curious enough to open the floodgates about what's going on, but they kind of just open um, because they kiss, and then, yes, Eve asks uh, if they've had sex before, and that question, of course, unravels him telling the whole story, and to your point, at no point was she was, like, that didn't, there was no there was not a bomb that dropped on LA in the sixties. Like that never, that never occurred. So she, um, I think is like, ah, oh, all the good ones are gay or crazy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's yep. what the nineties woman, uh, yep. was, I think then. Yeah. So. Uh, and he, he comes, wait, he's driving around with Troy in the truck. Yes. For some reason and then he sees uh the the adult bookstore um and he he goes into the little former diner former malt shop thing and there's a, a whole congregation of people who now worship the 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 under dwellers um uh oh at one point um sissy spacex gets really confused but not because she gets curious and she goes up the elevator yes. herself and and sees the full congregation and then she she hits the button and goes back down <laughs> um uh just she's yeah um but anyway so Brendan Fraser sees the congregation and then he leaves again so like he remembers that's where the the fallout shelter is so he has that information now yes. um but he wants he wants to go and get uh Eve and bring her with him into the fallout shelter because he doesn't know that she thinks he's crazy, but he finds out that she thinks he's crazy when he goes back to her house and realizes she has contacted some kind of uh, uh, a social worker at insane asylum. Uh, there's a there's like a psychiatric there. assistant, yeah, that comes yeah, to and, and yes, and uh, like um, so they're going to they're going to take him uh, for evaluation or whatever, and then he realizes this, so he runs. And the portly gentleman, who must be like some kind of orderly, is trying to catch him, but is not able to. Um, and then he 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 takes the the car, 
the truck backs into the psychiatrist's uh, car who loses her mind about everything. And he drives away um, and uh, he, say, oh, he says, oh, go to my hotel and pay my bill and grab all my stuff. Uh, and, and like, you know, please help me with that. And so that's when they go to his hotel and find out he's been telling the truth the whole time. The whole time. You know how yeah. they know? Because of his old toothpaste. <laughs> that was the tell. Yeah, that's Which the tell. is also like kind of unfair based on the fact that he emerged with clothes from the 60s. He had baseball cards from the 60s. Like there were other hints beyond the toothpaste, but they're like, you know what? Old this proves really it. it. That clinches it. And yes, to your earlier point too, they said, like, if you find a nice girl, bring her home down to the shelter, <laughs> basically. Uh -huh. So that's part of, of what his mission was. So they find out that he was telling the truth the whole time. Part of it is they found the old stocks and bonds. Yes. And then they uh, they call their stockbroker friend, who we met briefly at the at, at Club 40s. And he's like, uh, IBM, AT&T from the, from the late... First person, 1959, yeah, those would be worth millions, like millions upon millions upon millions. Of course. And so, like, and so then Dave Foley is like, this is the sweetest man you've ever met, who is the richest man you've ever met, and he has the hots for you. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I mean, like, I understand from that point of view, but like, it's the idea of like, well, he seems a little crazy, but maybe he's telling the truth, but he's rich. Well, now we gotta do something. <laughs> Just if he wasn't rich, would it matter? Like that's the whole thing. Is like now, now it matters because that's the whole thing. Is because he's rich. Then minutes ago you called a psychiatric him. asylum on him, like yeah. a psychiatric. You thought he was in need of a psychiatric diagnosis, mm -hmm. and you were like, you know what? what? It's fine because he's got money, he's rich. and it turns mm -hmm. out he has old toothpaste. So. He must yep. be telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So, there mm -hmm. you go. And uh, so then, I don't know, they meet up somewhere uh, and they go down in the fallout shelter and he introduces um, Eve to his parents. Uh, also, Archbishop Merkin from the <laughs> Church of the Underdwellers. I don't know what they call it. Uh, he's down there as well for some reason. But my my people and I will help bring all the things here. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, so Eve uh, greets the parents, and uh, they decide they're going to bring them up. Oh, he says, you stay here for two months, and we'll come back and get you. We want to make sure everything's yes. all right. And so uh, then, then all of a sudden, there's a narrator. Like, we haven't we had haven't a narrator. Heard I, don't, I don't know who <laughs> she's talking to. Like, does she, is she writing her diary? Is she calling her mom? Like, Alicia Silverstone turns into a narrator now, and I don't know who she's talking to. But she's like, turns out, you can build a house in two months if you just tell them money is no object, and it really isn't. Who? Are you giving us a lecture, the audience? That's not a device you've used in the film yet. This doesn't make any sense. Um, Having a narrator but, pop in here in the final hour was a weird, weird choice. It wasn't even the final. That was like yeah. the final five minutes. Like it's yeah, just, the final moments. It it's was just, a it's very, just a weird... very weird thing. Um, uh, but yeah, so 
that's kind of the conclusion of the movie, really. Like he builds, he builds, he his builds parents, the house in two months. A house way out in the middle of nowhere, but he builds it like to like 1962 specs. Like it's a little ranch house with a picket fence and all the old like wallpaper and stuff. They they do have a microwave, which fascinates Christopher Walken to no end. Yes. Um, well, he liked his Dr Pepper hot. We learned very early on. And That's he would do true. so which, on which, the stove. Which makes so him history's greatest monster. If you like your Dr. Pepper hot, you are history's <laughs> greatest monster. And I will not take any arguments to the contrary. But they wanted to like tell them slowly about what's like, actually What society on. is, yeah. Um, and I'm so thankful so, they didn't make a sequel. Because they definitely left it open for that. Good indeed. <laughs> Um, but, uh, it, so it's just Brendan Fraser and, uh, Christopher Walken out on the patio in the first, whatever the, whatever that is. Um, he says, so they didn't drop the bomb. That didn't happen. A, a plane crashed into our garage, uh, which is what you thought was the bomb dropping. The Russians actually just, the, they collapsed. Like the Soviet Union collapsed in the early, like about 10 years ago. Uh, it's like, and I was like, that wouldn't have happened. Not possible. No way. No way. Oh, our evil empire is just like, oh, please, did we give up? That, like, no, it, 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 it did happen. And and he's immediately suspicious. And he was do he does afterwards. So anyway, come on in, boys. Says Sissy Spacek. Dinner's ready, and Brendan Fraser goes in, but Christopher Walken stays out there. And he starts doing something, and I had to go back and watch it and figure out what he was doing. He starts walking in really big steps and like, like lining up angles and stuff. He is pacing out. Yes. A new fallout shelter that he's going to build under his new house because he still thinks the Russians are going to drop the bomb any day now. I yeah. think. And that's that's the I end can... of it. That's the end of the whole thing. I he built his believe... parents a 1960 ranch house in, I swear to God, it could not be more the literal middle of nowhere. <laughs> like, like, just like, there's just nothing as far as the eye can see. And they, they built, bought all this land and built him all this. I don't, I don't. I am Stunned there is. I'm glad. I'm stunned there's not a sequel. I don't know how well this did well, at the box office. It didn't. Look it up. It, it, didn't. it barely made its money back. That's like, I'm not surprised because it's not a very good movie, but because of the cast, that surprises me a little bit. I felt like there would have been people because Alicia Silverstone was hottest hell in, in the 90s. Like, yeah. it, uh, it, Brendan it, Fraser, Christopher Walken. Like, I, I, I thought that would be a more of a box office draw, but the movie cannot escape itself for how bad it is. Brendan Fraser's no. as good as he can be in it, um, but it's just not very good. Um, but weird. It, it it is weird. It's it it ultimately says nothing and thinks it is saying something. Correct. And also, it it ultimately isn't very funny even though it thinks it's being very clever in its little quips and funny stuff. Um, and like, it's like, it's one of those movies. Like, like I, I would say, if you want to see a crazy bad movie, return of the killer tomatoes is a crazy bad movie. Like I know people who like watching those 
crazy bad movies because they love to laugh at how bad they are. I can't recommend this to anybody, literally anyone. There's no one I would recommend this movie to, even if you like, I mean, like there's like, oh, you know what, you know what my favorite genre of films is? High concept, terrible comedies from the late 90s starring Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone. I would be like, I guess this is one, but like, that's all I could say about it. Um, we the also other need thing to- is Pleasantville was good, I thought. And See. this is the reverse of Pleasantville, which came out a year earlier. Um, there is a a renewed Brendan Fraser standhood that has come about in recent years, which I appreciate. Yeah. So if you're if you're in that line, like Brendan Fraser is real is really good in it, but what he's good in is terrible. If you're a Brendan Fraser completionist. There like, it is. And you have to see all of his movies. This would be a movie on the list you have to see. And that's as much of a me- recommendation I can make. Um, we also need to talk about Alicia Silverstone in the mid to late 90s and how old she's supposed to be playing. Because she was it, like, like firmly in high school in, in Clueless. Um, she also, like a year before this came out, she was playing a junior in high school as Batgirl in, in Batman and Robin. And in this, she's supposed to be 30? I don't know. Honestly, don't know anything about like what the, but it, uh, as soon as I'm like Brendan Fraser, Lisa Silverstone from the nineties, like, are we doing, are we doing a, a weird, like, no. like October May romance thing that is just a little too much for me in this particular. Um, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it was a little bit. No, she um, was in high thing. school or she has seen some life. There is no, yeah, or she seems she's been around the block. Uh, she's totally jaded and thinks that every marriage ends in divorce. Um, yeah, yeah, but yes. Um, so I, I, this movie ultimately is, is, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it should never have been made. I, I, I will say the movie should never have been made. It doesn't do anything like, um, uh, the, the room is, truly awful um uh but i understand why the people made it the people who made it made it i because it was some kind of vanity project and that's the i don't understand why anybody said here's 50 million dollars make this movie i can't i don't i i I can't fathom it Um, i mean if somebody said you have to watch this or mannequin too i pick this all the day Mannequin I pick mannequin. Really I, p- I pick mannequin too. Wow, you pick. Mannequin I pick mannequin too. too. I would. I would pick mannequin too. I would watch the room twice before I watch this again. Like I would watch it, the room again because it was so outstandingly bad. Where this is just complacent. This is bad. just. It's the. It's the worst kind of low level medium bullshit. Nothing. Like it's just. It's. It's mid. It is the middest mid it's that's ever mid. midded. So that uh, it's, I think begs a very important question. Yeah. Do you prefer mid or bad? I think I prefer, I prefer bad because I, I'm entertained. I prefer bad to mid. I prefer yeah. I prefer bad. I always prefer bad to mid because it's just because like, it's evoking something, whereas this didn't really yes. evoke anything. Yeah. This is this is this is one hundred percent not my jam. Um, and Brendan Fraser tries as hard as he can 
but he like if this his movie is drowning the entire time and occasionally like like Brendan Fraser will dive down and dredge it back up to the surface where it can take a breath of air and then it drags him back down to the bottom of the ocean and he has to swim back up to the surface for one small gag that the back down is terrible. Um, uh, if you want to see Brendan Fraser, it drags him down it, to it, the shelter. Yes, it, it, you, if you, yes. If you want to see Brendan Fraser in another movie from the 90s where he's playing a fish out of water from an even earlier time, watch Encino Man, for God's sake, watch Encino Man. This... Oh, yeah! No. This is a no for me. Big old no. You would get the I swear, because I, I, I... Yes, I would. And I swear because I, I actually enjoy Brendan Fraser's work uh, a lot. So, like, like, I think there's some cool stuff it is. He's somehow good at the Mummy movies, and those movies work terrible <laughs> he's very good in them um and i was really excited to see him play a batman villain in the new batgirl movie that they apparently have scrubbed from all the wb servers and will never be released in any format no matter if it's leaked or not he was gonna play so firefly in, this, in a batgirl movie and i was like that's a really cool casting choice i'd like to see brendan Fraser sink his teeth into a comic book villain that's gonna be great nope i never could see it again hbo nope. max but I would mostly say to get the flick out of here, but it's not the, I, I mean, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes or Return of the Killer Tomatoes. And we at least had Fuzzy Tomato. We had FT. Mm -hmm. We were rooting for mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. I would get the flick out of here, but probably not as much as I would Mannequin 2. Or is there anything else we watched that's... Like UHF has its place. Stay tuned has yeah. its place. You you really like you were not a big fan of the Sharknados, so I understand that as well. No, but I if I had watched all the Sharknados, like mm -hmm. having only watched Sharknado one fully, um, oh, that's tough. Yeah. If you said I'd probably watch Flash from the Past before Sharknado one. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. I um. I've, I've, I think I may have watched uh, 10, 12 minutes of this movie when it was first like on HBO when I was living with my parents or whatever um, at the time when it first came out. Um, this is one of those movies where like um, I, I pride myself on being able to go, I will not like that movie. And then I never see it. Because I know what movies I like and what I don't. Not that movies that, that movie's going to be bad, but I will not like that movie, and then I right. don't waste my time doing it. This is absolutely a movie that is oh, on no, that no, list that I would have said I will not like this movie. Um, and you and used it's, it's to not watch those movies, and now here you are. See, even even like I, I I'll even be able to watch like this movie's going to be bad, and I'll still watch it. I mean, even movies well, that I know are bad... going to be good. I won't watch. Bad, bad evokes an emotion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This just feels like a waste of time. Yes. Thank you. So get the flick out of here both ways. Get the flick out of here. That's what I say to that. That was uh. aggressive, but I respect it. <laughs> two thumbs um, out. Why yeah. have two thumbs down when you can go two thumbs out of here? Two thumbs out of here. Uh... Yeah, so anyway, thanks for that. Uh, we 
we'll find some other fun things to, uh, to review in the coming weeks. If you'd like to put a formal request in at kynchat.com for know your news, that's at kynchat.com to put in a request uh, in a formal uh, fashion. Uh, we will see what we can do. We got, we, this is episode 17. I don't think I said that seven, oh my God, yeah. seven, 17, whatever that is. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll see, uh, how many of these, uh, we eventually end up doing, but we got at least like 35 more of these things to do. So. Hell yeah. Let's rock and roll. Let's, let's, let's figure it out down the way. Uh, until then. Uh, I, I, I guess I guess it's time to figure out what we're gonna do next time. And then was like, get the flick out of here. Bye, everybody. R E S P E C T. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.